Hello and welcome to the Dad Whisperer. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson, and this is the place where I get the privilege week by week to help dads become heroes. And I say that it's a privilege because it really means the world to me that you would take the time out of your busy schedule to listen in. Because my passion is to help the dad-daughter relationship strengthen, and as many dads have told me, this actually carries over to my relationship in my marriage, with my sons, even at work. So every week, you know the template by now. It's on your mark, get set, go. On your mark, every week is the topic as you dads are standing side by side each other on your fathering race. So I'm your coach on the side saying, on your mark, okay, there's the topic, get set, I'm going to fill it in with stories and with statistics. Go is your action step each week to put your love for your daughter and your son into action. Well, today I have a guest coach, I guess you could say, who's with me in the studio who literally needs a medal of honor. Okay, why am I saying that? Because he is a dad, listen to this, to four daughters all under the age of six. Well, truth be told, he has three and a fourth one on the way. So I'm counting her in two. She'll be due next month. Well, Tom Mueller's been a friend for many years. We've gone to the same church, but we've honestly never really connected as much as we have until the last couple of years because of him being an awesome dad to his girls, which is why I wanted to have him here today. Well, let me just tell you a quick story about what really endeared my heart to him. And that was a couple of years ago, his wife, Sarah, posted this picture on social media when their family was living in Washington, D.C., and they got caught in a downpour. So imagine this picture. It's Tom holding his then three-year-old little girl, Addie, and she's got a hat on, and they're both soaking wet from the rain. And here's what Sarah mom wrote. We got caught in a huge thunderstorm and a flash flood warning alerted us on our phones. Addie was the only kiddo not covered in the stroller, but she loved getting drenched. And she keeps talking about it to Tom. And here's what Addie kept saying. Okay, listen to this quote. We were in the rain together and you held me. Oh my goodness, does that just melt your heart like it does mine? We were in the rain together and you held me. So the storm didn't scare her, right? She wasn't even bothered by the fact that she was drenched because she was in daddy's arms and that's where she was safe. Oh my goodness. So that's why I've invited him here. Welcome, Tom. I'm so excited to have you join me. It's good to be here today. Well, on your mark, I debated on the title today, actually. I was going to call it, you know, like raising four little warriors. But the more you and I did preparation for this interview and you told me your backstory, I decided to call this being the father you didn't have. Great title, because it's perfect scenario, yeah. Yeah, it really fits, doesn't it? Yeah. And today, I'm telling you guys, Tom has a story that is so powerful that will no doubt touch your heart, because he is living proof that we can grow beyond our childhood, and we can change. So, Tom, with with that background, how about if you tell us a little bit about yourself, your upbringing, your family? Well, I, I grew up in a completely non-religious family. Like, literally, I don't think I knew who Jesus was until I was 18 or 19. And uh, so, I'm the last of uh, uh, four kids, and so I'm the last born. Uh, my two oldest siblings are our half-brother and sister, and uh, they, they struggled a lot growing up. And so, we moved around a lot. I don't even know how many schools I went to mm-hmm. uh, uh, until about fourth grade. And so, eventually, we, we landed in a little town where I spent, uh, you know, some formative years. And uh, this is, my parents were alcoholics there, uh, kind of just real dysfunctional family. 
But uh, as being the last born, I think, is what I equate it to. I missed a lot of this, just didn't notice a lot of things. And my personality is very much everything goes over my head. I'm just happy all the time. And it served me well, I think, a lot. Uh, But during those years, uh, I started noticing, and and probably a lot of this is I I noticed later on in life, Mm -hmm. that my father treated my, my oldest siblings that were not his, uh, he started treating them really poorly uh-huh. and then compiled, you know, there's this d- dysfunction in my house. And then, uh, I- I'm one of those people that people don't believe that my house burnt down as a kid. Well, not only did it burn down once we had it rebuilt. And then, a uh, about a year later, it burnt down again. Wow. And it was just this crazy transformational, terrifying thing. Uh, but it, after it burnt down the second time, we packed up and we moved across the country, multiple different places. Uh, but we eventually landed in Walla Walla, Washington, uh, where my dad took a new job uh, at a penitentiary. He was a prison guard in mm. Chester uh, at a maximum security. And then he took a new job in Walla Walla, Washington at a, at a new, new prison there. Um, so my parents... Yeah. You know, they provided for us. They 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 took care of us financially in that way, but uh, they weren't really present. So lots of change, lots of moving, lots of instability. Yeah, yeah it, it was just to say the least. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so wow. my dad started when we moved to Walla Walla. My dad started working two jobs. So uh, he was super busy. He wasn't, he was never home. It was a violent atmosphere at the prison, Mm -hmm. um, really taxing on him. And then he took a job at 7-Eleven at nights. And so he was just gone all the time. I basically raised myself from Mm. that point on. Mm. Uh, There was, there was no direction, no supervision, uh, no real boundaries. It was kind of like, come as, come and go as you please do what you want. And so that's really how I lived my life Mm -hmm. uh, up until my, what should have been my senior year in high school where I, I dropped out. At that point, my parents moved on and my dad started a company, but I stayed back in Walla Walla, dropped out of high school and uh, just started couch surfing on different people's couches Mm -hmm. and things went downhill really fast uh, to where I burned a lot of bridges and wasn't making wise decisions and it wasn't long before I had to move back with my parents, Uh, but I had no real context for God. Uh, My family was falling apart. It was at this time that things really heightened between my mom and dad. There was a constant screaming, yelling, mm-hmm. and uh, and my life was really directionless, stuck in the middle of this. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, with all of that swirling around you, not a surprise. Yeah. yeah, wow. I mean, already I can tell your story, to say the least, it's intense. And yeah. here you're telling it now, these many years looking back, and I think for those listening that may have had an upbringing like yours, they're going to say, really, there's hope beyond that. So, I mean, let me just ask, like, you're just getting started and telling your story, but clearly you were dealt a heavy hand. I mean, this was a hard road. Yeah. And it continued. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, so, when, when we moved to Glide, we were there not very long. I don't remember if it was a month or two months, and uh, my on Thanksgiving Day of all days, my huh. dad says he has to go to the store to get olives, and he never came back. Uh, we didn't hear from him for days. Oh when he goodness. finally got in, in touch with me, it was he had literally moved down the road with a whole new family. Kind of a are just, you kidding? A uh, five year old boy and a two year old boy, and it was just uh, and he was starting new. He was starting new. Yeah, it was crazy. 
And so my mom's obviously a wreck. I mean, has never been any emotionally healthy person. 20 years codependent on the, on my dad. Never had a job. And here we are out in the middle of nowhere with no car, uh, no jobs. And uh, we're like, what are we going to do? Mm. And I don't know what it was led to this decision, but we we both just had this drawing of let's call a church. And we called the local pastor from down the road and he came over and uh, we committed our lives to Christ that night. It was it was really transformational. I mean, 180 turn where God wow. opened our eyes and, and wow. it, it was amazing. Okay, so now take us to your adult life because I know you have so much you could tell and we can tell this is packed. Okay, so then what happened years later? Yeah, well, you would think at that point that stuff's going to get a lot better. You know, you've Can't given your yeah, you've given your life to Christ and it's going good and and it wasn't long before I really felt a call towards the ministry. Uh-huh. And so what do you do next when you have a call to the ministry? You go to Bible school. And so I uh had heard about this uh famous preacher and uh thought was pretty reputable school and so I decided, yeah, I'm going to go to that and I'm I got on a plane for the first time in my life and I flew to New York and and it ended up that that school was not what I thought it would be. Mm. Uh, it, at its best, it was spiritually abusive. Wow. And at its worst, I'd say it's cult light. In fact, when I left that school, I was completely damaged. Wow. And it took me a lot of years just to uh, e- even recoup from that and get my mind right. No doubt. Um, so, you know, I'd been trying to prepare for ministry, but uh, fast forward, I eventually became a pastor at Beaverton Foursquare, but it was during that time yeah. I had some bumpy roads there trying mm-hmm. to break my, break in, yeah. and there was one particular guy there. His name was Pastor Mark Nicholas, who really came alongside me and uh, started loving me, intentional as like a father. And uh, he, he began to just show me, you know, I was so lost and broken and trying to figure out even how to not only be a yeah. pastor, but just how to be a man and yeah. how, to, how to treat people, how to work with my hands, how to do some of these practical things. Wow. And he really came alongside me and loved me. Yeah, Yeah. that is so cool that another dad figure could fill in the gaps where you didn't have a fathering role model. Now, currently you're working for Luis Palau. Yes. So we're just going to kind of get to the heart of the The story, the meat of the story with you as a dad and how on earth. I mean, I think everyone listening will go, how did you go from that (laughs) to now being a dialed in dad? I often wonder. You, you often wonder, yeah. So you married your wife, Sarah, met her at Beaver to Foursquare. Yes. So tell us the names of your girls, because I know I'm going really fast through your story. Yeah. Tell us their names. So we thought, we thought awesome. a lot about the names, because we, we really thought there, there's power in these names, and we're hoping that they're going to project them into the future. Mm-hmm. So my, my six-year-old is Eleonora Madeline, and her, her name means God's light. And then Adelaide Sophia is my now five-year-old as mm-hmm. of two days ago. <laughs> and her name means noble and wise. And then uh, Cosette Mercedes is my three-year-old. And her name means victorious in war and merciful. Oh, wow. And then my soon-incoming daughter due in December, her, the, the, the growing name that I think is nailed in is Louisa Estelle, mm-hmm. which means warrior and star of hope. Wow. So, yeah, we're raising little warriors for God. Oh, I love it. Well, I mean, clearly, you and I both know that our family of origin affects us dramatically, right? We draw on that history oftentimes, and it informs us in the relationships that we have now. So, before we delve into you raising four little daughters, soon to be four, I would love to hear what your relationship with your dad was like in terms of what he modeled to you. 
about being a father. I mean, I think yeah. it's woven in, but I'd love if you have anything else to add to that. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously I got saved when I was 18 and, and uh, it was during that divorce that I learned some tragic things about my my past and, and the lineage of my family. I mean, I knew I came from dysfunction, but it was at that time that I, I learned that my dad was the one who burnt our house down two times. Hmm. And so- Why do you do that? Insurance, dysfunction. Uh, there's a whole story behind okay. it as far okay. as the prison. It was I violent. See. He was trying to get out. Okay. And uh, what I forgot to tell you is that we were in the house. What? Yeah. You're... It's crazy, right? Oh my it's goodness. like, who does that? I know. And so his lack of a healthy life really made him think, oh, this is a way that I can get out. This mm. is a way that I, uh, that I can get some money, that I can get us moved. And, and probably to, to a degree, he was thinking he was taking care of us. And mm. so, um, so he made these decisions. And so it's at this time that I'm starting to really learn the dysfunction of my family and where I come from and, and, and how he treated my siblings and things like that. And so, but uh, you know, when I, when I became a believer, I became a blank slate. I didn't yeah. have a lot to work on in positive things, yeah. but I knew what I didn't want to become. Right. I knew what I didn't want for right. my life. And so, yeah, I became a blank slate. But, it, you know, I, as I look back over my life, I see that the, the biggest impacts that, that took place were when I had spiritual mentors that uh-huh. came alongside. Uh-huh. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, I went to this college that ended up being a cult. And then, right. uh, you know, I'm trying to still navigate this father relationship as that best I didn't you have can with as nothing. best I can with nothing. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I, I tried to lean out to people to, to get mentors, but sometimes people didn't respond well. Other times people got too close and I was like, Hey, uh-huh. back off. I'm not, you know, so uh, what would you tell other men about that? You're saying you need a mentor. How do you navigate that challenge of finding one? That's a great question. You know, I, and I, I, there's so much fear packed around a man's heart who hasn't had a father who mm-hmm. has had a, or an unhealthy father. And you really have to, to prepare yourself to press through fear because it's, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's very terrifying it, it, to have somebody come into your life in that fatherly way to give input, to challenge you. Yeah. And so pastor Mark was, was a great feed for me because I just got to watch how he loved his family, uh-huh. how he loved his kids. And he invited how, you into his And he home, invited I'm me guessing. into his family, but I had to reciprocate it. I had to keep going. I had uh-huh. to, to follow up. I had to, to jump into this and step past these fears of, oh, he's getting too close. He, you know, he, he, he's challenging me, you know. And, and so it was reciprocal. I, ha- I had yeah. to step into it. And, and it was terrifying in so many ways. Yeah. But there was so much healing yeah. that came from, no. I've run too much. Yes. I've been a runner for far too long. Yeah. And I'm pressing into this. And then you had another significant father figure, healing influence in your life. Who was that? Yes. So when I started dating my wife, Sarah, my now wife, Sarah, she made it clear really early on in our relationship that she was like, hey, if, you, if we're going to go anywhere, you're going to have to get to know my dad. Mm. And it wasn't just like, you're going to have to talk to my dad once. It's like, no, you're going to have to spend time with my dad. And this ended up being, you know, it's terrifying at first, yeah. but this ended up being the most transformational relationship of my life. Wow. Because he's a great guy. He was obviously looking in the best interest of his daughter, 
But seeing now, he was also with the foresight going, I'm raising a potential son. Mm. And he really thought of me and cared for me like a son. And he was intentional. But it, it was really through him that I, I got to see how he, he treated his family, how he loved them, how he's intentional on discipleship, on protecting them, on guiding them, how had given providing. them practi- providing <laughs> practical Having skills. Having integrity. Yes. And, and so, and he just loved me. He brought me into the family and, and it changed my life still. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I think even for dads that may say, okay, I don't want my daughter dating that dude. Yeah. You know, he, he's, he's coming I with was some, that guy. You, yes. were the, you were that guy coming with baggage. Yeah. But he said, no, no, no. I'm going to see past your story into the heart of who you are. And he sounds like he drew that out of you. Yeah, absolutely. What a gift. So men out there listening to my friend Tom Mueller today that say, okay, I wasn't dealt the best hand. How do I keep going? Find a mentor father. And like Tom said, push past your fear. How about if we jump now right into being a dad to four little girls, all being shaped by you? Here you didn't have a role model, but now they're looking to you. What are some of your greatest joys when you think about coming home, four little girls all running to you saying, you're it, dad. What's that like with four little tiny ones all under the age of six? Oh, it is a total blast (laughs) because... Uh, I'm the king of the house, uh, you know, with, with these little ones. And so it's great. But one of my favorite things, you know, every time I come home, I've got these little, little girls who scream, daddy's home! And, and they come running. So talk about healing yes. uh, of these little things that absolutely love you. But, uh, you know, I love watching their personalities form, you know, like, like, like you said, they're all six and under. Yeah. And so they're so young, but obviously six years old, she's changing so fast and, and it's so fun to just watch who they are mm. sprouting up, uh, the things that make them tick, uh, these, those also challenging components that you're like, okay, this is, this yeah. is the hard personality to I navigate. Yeah. I didn't get a playbook for this one. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so... Uh, you know, my oldest, she's the, uh, it's probably the typical, she's the type A personality. Mm-hmm. But what's funny is in so many ways, she's totally got all my genes, uh, <laughs> you know, so, but she's got that type A. So she wants to be the mother, which yeah, yeah. basically equates to, I want to boss you around, do what I say. Right, right, and, right. And so there, there's that challenging, but she is so quick to learn. She, yeah. she picked up reading like that. Awesome. Uh, so she's so smart. She's so fast, yeah. but she's the entertainer as well. Yeah. And then, you know, my middle is the one that boggles me the most because I'm an extrovert. All my other kids are extrovert, Uh but she's the introvert, which is funny. She's the most bonded to me right Uh now. And so she, she wakes me up in the morning and is ready to play games. And, uh, and then my last is another extrovert, you know, that is the personality's coming alive. Uh, she's three years old. So, you know, it's so new. I I love putting her to bed at night, you know, because, She'll she'll stick my face really close to hers, Aww. and then she just talks. And to be honest, most of the time, I have no clue what she's talking about. I have no clue what she's saying. But yeah. there's just this bonding mm. that happens as she talks, and I listen, and Aww. I just go, yeah, yeah. Well, you know and what so, I can hear, Tom, is that you're studying your girls. Yeah. You get close enough to them, and you are setting a foundation now that I guarantee is going to pay dividends when they're teenagers because you've started early. Dads, follow his example in that. Well, okay, you've admitted that you didn't have much of a role model, but that you gleaned from Mark, you gleaned from your father-in-law, and I love that you're being honest about all of the 
road that you've traveled. I think sometimes in Christian circles, especially, we just gloss over that. You're a walking miracle, aren't you? (laughs) I agree, yeah. I mean, that's why I called this being the father you didn't have. And when you talk about how you are with your girls now, I mean, literally, I I moved to tears that you are pushing past that and saying, by God's grace, it's going to turn around in my generation. I'm not going to keep this going. Well, I'd love to even ask you now, okay, here you walk in the door, daddy's home, daddy's home. All these personality differences between your girls, like I said, no playbook. Does it ever feel like too much with so many little ones under six? All the time. (laughs) Yeah. It's so exhausting. I mean, it's invigorating, but exhausting. But how do you meet the needs of every single one of these that is all consuming? Right? Yeah. So it... It's overwhelming a lot of times, but mm-hmm. you ha- you have to break it down in little ways as far as, okay, I know that they each need individual time yeah. and it, it's really not practical for me to go, I'm going to take you each on a date all the time. And, <laughs> and so you find ways in, in little, in little moments, like, like what? those what bedtimes, do you do? Oh, bedtime. Uh, bedtime, you know, connecting with each one of them, spending time. Probably the main way is, okay, I got to go to Ace Hardware. Whose turn is it to go with me? <laughs> and uh, you, and you get a gumball on the way or something That's like awesome. that. But, you know, it's those practical things yeah. that, that you have to get done, but trying to pull them in yeah. and let them be a part of it. So how about challenges? What kind of challenges do you face with four little ones? Well, oh, three and fourth on the way. Yeah. I think the biggest challenge right now is my six-year-old. Mm. And, uh, you know, she's changing so quickly, but that she also, she they all know how to push each other's buttons. Right. But she especially, you know, I mean, a little more advanced in age, she really knows how to push the buttons. Mm-hmm. And so we're constantly having to uh, adjust attitudes or figure out, okay, yeah. uh, how, how do we deal with this situation? And, and so it's pulling her away. You know, mm-hmm. oftentimes we say, okay, now you have to be our little buddy and you're just going to spend time with us to just give them a break. That's and the quote. That's the quote. You're the, our the little buddy. You're our little buddy. I don't want to say punishment because you're shaping. Yes. But you're saying, here's but it's the also punishment. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's be, who wants to just hang around and follow their parent yes. around? Yeah, exactly. And you've seen it shape them because now they need to be closer instead exactly. of being given room. Yeah. And, and so, you know, that, that's been a practical tool of mm-hmm. just, okay, let's, let's get closer to them. Not... Let's not just put them back in their room, mm-hmm. although we do have timeouts and things yeah. like that. But this has been a practical one to go, okay, yeah, what's going on? Let's get close yes. to your heart. What's taking place? Okay, so how do you handle it when you lose it? When you're like, I've had my girls, too much estrogen in this home. Oh, yes. Uh, it happens all the time. Um, I'm sad to say, especially yeah. at bedtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I mean... I just apologize a lot, mm-hmm. you know, in those moments mm-hmm. on one of your radio programs with Focus on the Family. You you threw out this question once of asking your daughters at the end of the night, was daddy grumpy at all? Mm. And, that you know, I've actually done that numerous times. And awesome. it all depends on how the bedtime's gone, uh, of how they answer, because oh. that's about the length of time that they remember. Yes. Uh, but, you know, it opens up a doorway yeah. of going, you know. I'm sorry that I was doing that. Daddy was grumpy. He's tired, uh-huh. but that's not right. Because then it, your girls aren't internalizing it as something's wrong with them because you're owning it. Exactly. Oh my goodness. I cannot believe how fast this time is gone. Okay, Tom, I've got to end by asking you a go question because you as a dad get this, that you are on the go all the time. And if you're not intentional, the time slips by, right? And all of a sudden you've got these little maturing girls. What is one action step you especially would give... Maybe to dads with younger daughters to put their love into action this week. 
Yeah. Well, in these younger ages, one of the things that I, you know, I started on my very first daughter and it's carried through was praying a prayer blessing over them every night. Mm. I looked back over my life and I saw the main thing that my parents didn't give me a blessing. And so I prayed, you know, just at number six, 24 and 26 over my girls every single night. Oh, how does and that sound? Say it. So the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And then I usually end it with Lord Jesus, come and play with my girls and their dreams. Really? And so, and and sometimes they've come back to me and said, I had a great dream last night. And so, you know, just that simple thing of blessing them every night that's reinforced in their heart and mind. Oh, dad's listening today to my friend, Tom Mueller, you no doubt have gleaned from his story. And if you're a dad that's had a rough start He is living proof that with God's help, you can turn it around. You can make intentional choices to live differently than maybe what your father modeled to you. And so today, the title has been Being the Father You Didn't Have. My friend Tom Mueller has shared his story, and you've heard him encourage you dads to pray a blessing over your daughters and your sons every night. And if you don't know what to say, go to Numbers 6, 24 through 26, and then tell them, I'm going to pray. How did you say that? That... Jesus will dance with you in your dreams. In your dreams. Yeah. I love that. Well, you can always write me at drmichelle at thedadwhisper.com. You can go to my website at drmichellewatson.com. You can sign up for my Dad Daughter Friday blogs where I have free resources. You can read my book, Dad. Here's what I really need from you, a guide for connecting with your daughter's heart. Well, this wraps up another program. It's been great to have you here. Make today a day where you get out there and intentionally and consistently love your girls. Go Dads.